Welcome to another episode of your favorite podcast, Monuments, Museums, and Mojitos. Hello, everybody. What's Egyptian for hello? Anyone know? Salam alaikum, I guess. Ah, mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm. Well, yep, that's it, guys. Today we are talking about ancient Egypt, the pyramids specifically, as requested by a listener. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, we will be diving into the oldest of the seven wonders of the ancient world and the only one actually still standing today. It's a friggin' incredible piece of structure or structures. And we are going to give you some juicy gossip about the three pyramids of Khufu, Khafra, and Menkare. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> It's not a pyramid scheme, guys. <laughs> no. Pop quiz. Does anyone know how many um, pyramids have actually been discovered? Ooh. Where? In the world or? In Egypt, specifically. Mm-hmm. No. No? No guesses? Mm-mm. Over 100, guys. Over wow. 100. Some of them are very small, though. Some of them are like 30 centimeters, like knee height. But like a ruler yeah oh that's so cute yeah, wow quite small but yeah no it's it's not just the big three that we think of but mm. most of our discussion today will probably be centered around them what are we drinking it's called a sidecar it's quite strong <laughs> we let polly loose in the kitchen um <laughs> to to construct this monstrosity and it has quite a lot of brandy in it um yeah yeah brandy and triple sec triple sec and uh, lemon juice like that's just it and i'm really afraid to try it oh yeah you haven't had a sip yet no i think no, it's time i, I think know. it's time I'm a bit hungover today. I don't know. <laughs> you're gonna yeah. have to bite the bullet at some point this uh, isn't going, called going, monuments going. museums and wusses <laughs> it bites you that is um Acetone, nail yeah. polish and rhubarb. Oh my god! Acetone, what the fuck? <laughs> it tastes like nail polish and rhubarb. Anyway, today we're speaking about ancient Egypt, and I'm sorry, but I feel like every person in the world has some interest or fascination with ancient Egypt or ancient Egyptian culture, whether it's hieroglyphs, pyramids, temples, sphinxes, giant cats. Everyone knows it. Whether mm-hmm. you're in like a casino and there's like 50 million <laughs> oh, different yeah. type of like ancient Egypt, <laughs> junk, what, what Pharaoh's fortune, ding, ding, ding. Literally, or like Hollywood movies, The Mummy, mm-hmm. ATC, like all those. Or you're just a general history nerd or just have an interest in things of the ancient past. Ancient Egypt is up there. Mm-hmm. Any child under 10, you ask them what yeah. the like coolest thing in history is, they're going to say the ancient Egyptians, they aren't are. they? That or the dinosaurs. Like, it's one or the other. Yeah. I, I definitely said that back when I yeah. was like eight. Yeah. I was I a mean, dinosaur guy, according to this definition. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I know I learned about ancient Egypt in high school. Like, Ooh. don't teach us about our own culture and people, but ancient Egypt was there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. We learned, I think, when, like, for a year when I was very small, like, four or five, but not as we got older. That was Same. very English-centric. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's um a very fascinating point in time, I believe. And I think 
our discussion today will bring light to how extraordinary uh, ancient ancient Egyptian civilization was and the structures they managed to produce in a period of time which is actually so much more back in time than we may think. Like the thing that blew my mind about ancient Egypt when I learnt about it properly was the fact that the structures we see, such as the pyramids, actually are, they were ancient to the ancient Greeks. That is how old they are. They are 2,500 years old, thereabouts. The Parthenon is around 300, between 300 and 400 BCE. They have been an enigma for thousands of years. Yeah. And like this sometimes comes out as like a pub quiz fact, but Cleopatra is actually closer in time to us today than she was to the ancient pharaohs in the construction of the Great Pyramid of Giza. Wow. Yes, but yeah. Yeah. Like that kind of puts it into perspective, doesn't it? That it's like, okay, it was already 2,400 years old for her, Mm. let alone for us. So true. Crazy. Cleopatra, but that's probably like another thing. (laughs) Yeah, we should have an episode on Cleopatra at some point. She's so interesting. That whole point in history is actually really pivotal and I think interesting. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you're interested, but Cleopatra is a really good example of how beauty is perceived in our modern society and how we have placed our modern perception of beauty and general like sex appeal on an ancient figure who in fact looks nothing like the Elizabeth Taylor remake. Mm. of the image we have in our head of Cleopatra. Yeah. Yeah. It's also also my favorite Shakespeare play, guys. So Antony oh. and Cleopatra, I think it's the oh. best one. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the pyramids. Um so uh as another ding 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 10 points to start. Um <laughs> does anyone know why they're called pyramids? No. 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 So it's not actually an Egyptian word. It was from Greek. Oh, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) And when the ancient Greeks arrived in Egypt and they looked at the pyramids, they thought that the step pyramid in particular reminded them of a layer cake. So it's named after the ancient Greek for cake. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Before that, they had a different word, which I forgot to write down. So sorry about that, guys. (laughs) It's funny how they had cakes in ancient Greece also during that time. Yeah. Always. Every society needs cake. Yeah. Well, there's so. so many bakeries and stuff here. Yeah, yeah that's true. So <laughs> Greeks do love a good cake. Yeah. yeah. So before the step pyramid was constructed, that was kind of the first of the pyramids that we think of today. Graves for the pharaohs had been under the ground. And then as chambers were added and they became like stone constructions under the ground, they kind of expanded and got more and more elaborate. And then over time, the kind of underground space became an overground space. So it became like a hill to start off with. And then as time went on, they made these structures that they described as benches that were kind of like an oblong. So most of the tomb would be constructed underground, but then there would be a large oblong stone over it to mark where the king had been buried. And then it was with the uh, arrival of the great architect Imhotep, who people might recognize from the mummy movies. Dun, dun, dun. He was not a bad guy priest who decided to live forever and kill Rachel Weisz. No, 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 no. (laughs) He was an architect and engineer. And he decided, 
we're going to try stack these on top of each other. So the the kind of oblong shape kings through the past had had um, in stone, he was like, we're going to take that shape and we're going to make another one on top and then another one on top and then another one and constructed the first step pyramid. So it wasn't the aliens. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll come back to aliens <laughs> and slaves and yeah uh, illuminati <laughs> yeah. Oh, guys we've got you covered in this episode oh brilliant gonna be an all-rounder <laughs> love a conspiracy theory so the first pyramid the step pyramid was built in 2600 bce and the first true pyramid was built 60 years later and by true we mean with the smooth sides and then the generation after that after the true pyramid was first constructed, the son of that pharaoh um, was when the Great Pyramid was built for King Khufu at Giza. And so the biggest and the best, some might say, <laughs> pyramid uh, was constructed yet yeah, only a couple of generations after the very first step pyramid had been constructed. Um, the pyramids slowly kind of, they reached their peak quite quickly <laughs> and began to decline quite quickly in size and yeah they, they never really reached the heights again of what they had been previously but slowly they became more and more ornate inside so some people are quite disappointed when they actually visit the great pyramid and they go inside and they imagine that it's going to be covered in hieroglyphics and great carvings and beautiful artwork when actually it's quite boring in there the tradition of decorating burial chambers in hieroglyphs came later on. Yeah. So it's plain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of stone walls in there. So it doesn't have all that stuff that you assume with like the Hollywood image mm. of uh, of what the inside of a pyramid is going to look like. That did come later on with the, the later generations of, of pharaohs and pyramids. And actually, the kings began to steal and plunder from one generation to the next so older pyramids would have parts of the carvings kind of torn off and they'd be repurposed for the new pharaoh um and then like that kind of became more and more of a problem going on which is when in the middle kingdom security really ramped up for the kind of tombs going forward because then we kind of get the idea of the Hollywood booby traps and trapdoors and antechambers and secret entrances, all of that kind of stuff that came because basically everyone had been plundering everyone else's tombs. And oh. yeah, the pharaohs decided that they actually wanted their tomb to stay nice for all eternity for the afterlife and not just be cracked mm -hmm. open a couple of generations <laughs> later. Um, so yeah, they were filled with labyrinths and they were quite quite ornate um, but as generations went on and the empire was in decline soon they became just mud bricks that had like limestone cladding on the outside so they weren't the big stone kind of impressive structures that they had been and yeah and eventually we kind of get on to the Tutankhamun tombs that didn't have anything to designate them at all on the outside so they were kind of completely hidden, which is good for archaeologists because it means that no one did plunder them. No one got inside. Yeah, and Amazingly. Yeah, yeah. I remember three years ago, I was at this exhibition in Barcelona about Egypt. And I don't know much about the history of, of Egypt. 
But what was striking for me was how Egyptian pharaohs put in writing only positive stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, like also we have, we know Roman emperors, like they had their own historians who would write stuff about them. But in Egypt, it was particularly evident that there is nothing negative for... Well, written by the victor. Yeah. For the victor. Yeah. Yeah. Famine? Yeah. What famine? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not on yeah. my watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Massive destructive floods of the Nile. Yeah. yeah. Nah. But actually, yeah, that was one of the reasons that the Great Pyramid was constructed because it was a time of political upheaval um, between the kind of societies of the, of the upper and lower Niles, which all of that was Egypt, but there had always been a bit of tension because they were very different cultures up and Nile. And they weren't actually united. No. Throughout the whole ancient Egypt. Yeah, what's the story there? Literally, Upper and Lower Egypt were considered two different entities. Kind of like, I mean, I don't want to compare it to a country, say like Italy, which is north and south, which you can see clear distinctions between the two. And there's actually issues of commonality between the two. But it was like that. But yeah, one symbol of the unification of the Upper and Lower Nile was the building of the Great Pyramid of Giza. So it was one thing that the pharaoh wanted to be like, look, we're all one nation and I am the great king, you know, deified king because the pharaohs had godlike status and were divine beings on earth. So he was ruler of all and he wanted everyone to see it. So that was kind of the big motivation for it being constructed in the first place. Does anyone want to guess how many stone blocks were in? Oh, tens of thousands. Don't know what that No idea. 2.3 million. Wow. Yeah, 2.3 million blocks. So in terms of the kind of um, layout of the pyramid, it actually perfectly matches up to the points of the compass. In a time where compasses hadn't been discovered. (laughs) Yeah. So that is one of the reasons that aliens may have been involved. No, people believe that aliens had something to do with it. That's true. Because when I was at university and was studying ancient Egypt, my professor actually told me that technically the theories surrounding the aliens have almost an equal weight to others because there's no actual concrete evidence on how these structures were built. Yeah. So it's inferred. I mean, there's (laughs) a few things that point more towards humans having built them. (laughs) But at the end of the day, there's no clear document or something that says, this is how the pyramids were built. I guess it's the same like the the Big Bang and the theory that got created. Yeah. Like we are probably 99% sure it's the Big Bang, but there is this 1% that who knows, maybe I guess it's the same with the pyramids. But when you think about it, like, because it was lined up using, well, they think using the stars. And to be fair, that would make sense because the sun rises on the same side and sets on the same side every day and the stars don't change their position so when you don't have other ways to navigate and obviously the Nile as well they would know where the Nile was because that would be the greatest kind of source of everything in Egypt they were very aware of its cyclical activity with its flooding and yes drying out so using all of those, maybe that was good enough. But apparently yeah. the um, when they tried to do the same thing in the construction of the White House, the White House is actually less accurate than, wow. the, than the ancient pyramids, which is, there's well. Because, yeah, like you said, there's no compasses that have been found nor any other type of sophisticated survey activity. But some records do exist 
that appear to provide clues about the process of surveying. So basically, there are depictions of ceremonies from sacred buildings that appear on temple walls throughout ancient Egypt. The most famous of these being the stretching of the cord ceremony, which, for example, in the temple of here, the king and the goddess Seshat, who represents numeration, counting, and timekeeping, are each seen holding a post, a rope attached to both parts, and the accompanying text of that records that the king first determines where the posts are to be set by astronomical observations, and at that point, Sechat pulls the rope tight. And also one discovery that has made a big difference in recent years is the diaries of Mera, um, who it's the oldest papyrus ever discovered. And it was found in a tomb not far from the quarry sites uh, where the limestone was quarried. And he was actually the project manager for... <laughs> the um, enterprise that built the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he had... He documented, like, them moving um, limestone up and down the Nile. Uh, a lot of the papyrus was too badly damaged when they discovered it to, to read. So a lot of it has been lost. But it provided enough evidence that it was built by people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously... The star, the compass points, we, you know, maybe they had extraterrestrial help, but it was definitely constructed by people because he was managing them. And um, he provided the white limestone for cladding because actually at the time of construction, the Great Pyramid was completely covered in um, white limestone cladding. So it reflected the sunlight and like glowed in the sunlight. Mm. Um, And it also had a golden or electrum cap on the top. So it would have really like glinted ding in the sun and been quite blinding, to be honest. Like imagine that in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually been like... An area close by to the pyramid, which has been dubbed as workman's barracks. Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's not you go to work, you go home. It's like you stayed there, you worked on there intensely and you had these barracks because logistically that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that a lot of lay people don't take into account is the fact that at that time, the Nile's actual, like the way that the river flowed, the direction of the flow of the river came a lot closer to the pyramids than it does today. So shipping in the like quarried stones and things wouldn't have been, I mean, they did drag a lot by hand, but they had the, the Nile came a lot closer to where the actual pyramids was constructed. And then they dug their own kind of canals from there and then dragged by hand for the last part of the way. So it wasn't like they had to drag it and drag it and drag it thousands of miles. Like people have previously claimed the flow of the river came in a different direction. So that it made it a lot sense. easier. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what's in the pyramids, guys? Have we found anything? Well, yes and no. One of the things that has been found are small shafts. Um, and there's been, like, again, no concrete evidence why they're there. But numerous attempts have been made to explain the enigma of these small shafts that lead upward from the two highest chambers of Khufu's pyramid at Giza. And there's basically a bunch of theories, one of which is like it allowed airflow through the structure so that workers wouldn't essentially suffocate. Um, Others that have suggested that the shafts actually point very accurately at various stars or areas in the night sky. Here we have the star theory again. But like I said, none of these theories have like substantial evidence for them to explain this unique part of the pyramid, this shaft Mm -hmm. where the kings were laid. But 
basically the sad story is and like most ancient structures is that they were heavily looted in antiquity and not much if anything is there for us to take and see and understand according actually to napoleon's legend from france uh he went there he went into the king's chamber came out totally like shocked and like cold and like struck by something and he never actually disclosed what it was that he saw but when you actually look at the evidence it's like bro you didn't see anything (laughs) there's nothing there (laughs) there's nothing there at all really alien he saw an alien yeah (laughs) and there's been some recent uh discoveries actually technologies have really helped us to understand more about the structures of the pyramid and their alignments to each other because they are actually aligned to each other and there are actually other buildings or monuments that link the whole pyramid complex together like that's something really important as well is that these pyramids weren't meant to stand on their own they have very purposeful linkages to each other and other structures surrounding them and technologies help us to understand this 3d scanning scans in general and stuff but basically infrared analysis from satellites in orbit around the world have helped even to locate like buried pyramids So these tools are super powerful. And in 2002, a robot, hello, more technology here, was used to drill through a stone door, inverted commas, like because they weren't actually like doors like we know them today back then with Mm. like the metal hinges and stuff. And the robot was able to film what was behind it. And the images didn't show much. But then again, in 2011, a more flexible device was sent in and captured mysterious red hieroglyphs which haven't been seen with, like, the human eye for, like, thousands of years. Mm. Which kind of goes against this whole there are no hieroglyphs in these places. Like, Ah. yeah. Well, Imhotep's own pyramid was never discovered or hasn't been up until this point. And, uh, yeah, following on from, like, the space archaeology and, like, scanning that's available today, uh, I listened to um, an interview with Professor Sarah Parsak, I think her name is, um, who is one of the kind of lead archaeologists uh, from Alabama University, um, who's been working, like, on these sites for years. And she says that probably only 30% of the sites have actually been excavated that they know about, and then less than one percent of what's actually there has so far been discovered like from what she scanned from her like satellites and things there's still so much more maybe let's address some of these whack theories surrounding the pyramids i mean they might not be whack i shouldn't judge but like things like was it aliens was it slaves what's with the illuminati like (laughs) yeah why the illuminati yeah why the illuminati (laughs) Oh, you know how they have the bloody triangle with the eye. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, Jay Z and Kanye. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's actually a really interesting and long-standing history, but it's also like so fucking whack. Like, I don't know how to describe it to you. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I know this stuff that I researched it. But so, the Illuminati, for those who don't know, is a conspiracy theory of a secret group of elite people who traced their ancestry to Bavarian Illuminati, an 18th century secret society, and infiltrate and manipulate global institutions in their efforts to control world governments. There's this one guy who's pretty instrumental in all this called David Icke. And basically his version of the Illuminati theory connected the pyramids with the race of human 
reptilian hybrid shifters, which include former U.S. presidents George Bush, Bill Clinton, the British royal family, and Neil Wave. Okay, enough. Anyway, they thought that this there would be this upcoming millennial celebration in Egypt. And this it guy argued that the planned capstone reach of the Giza pyramid was the symbolic accumulation on an evil Masonic conspiracy to usher a new age of heavy solar activity that would drive the shape-shifting reptilian mind control over the planet. They probably started COVID too. I think they must have. <laughs> they should have been included in this JLO video waiting for the night. You remember when they, they're celebrating oh, the turn yeah. of the millennium? Like imagine there's 2000 and, and this shit starts yeah. in Egypt. But the thing that I think makes a little bit more sense, if I can even call it that, is the eye of providence, which we see, which is that eye in the triangle. And mm. that actually has a really long and interesting history as well but basically it's a christian symbol that's found in religious art in the renaissance period even in just general ecclesiastical jesus type paintings and stuff um and no one's like certain who invented it but basically it's three points a triangle and it's the father son holy spirit ah boring it's literally boring (laughs) come on i know i know anyway um and the eye represents god yeah god all seeing all knowing exactly like seriously just do a little reading and you'll understand come on um and i thought it was gonna be really mystical like it's just christian (laughs) it's just christian but of course it's got like you know the eye motif, which is really famous and synonymous with the eye of Horus, the beautiful yeah. ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic symbol. And of course, in the 1400s, 1500s, they, the understanding of hieroglyphs wasn't very well understood. So we have an element of also like not understanding, then mysticism. And then also the Freemasons, they use it because obviously God vibes. And then what's with Madonna, Jay-Z, Kanye using this guy? <laughs> yeah. Have they been reading too many Dan Brown books? Is that where it came from? Marketing. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Literally, why was it used by Christian societies and Freemasons and ancient Egyptian? It's fucking pretty. It's nice. It's trendy. <laughs> yeah. so of course they're going to want to use it. So sorry if that's anticlimactic. It's churchy. Um, yeah i'm a bit disappointed by that but thank you for sharing nikki but the reptilians (laughs) (laughs) that's true that made up for it (laughs) listeners if you want more on that let us know (laughs) oh dear anyway that doesn't explain the slaves Uh, what's with the slaves well so you say slaves but actually recent archaeological discovery has kind of pointed towards there being a distinct lack of slavery come on yeah no it's true so from what they can tell obviously you would need a lot of like food rations to be able to construct these pyramids right like they're heavy you're gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting you're gonna have to be quite muscular keep going for a long time and so they were actually really well fed and who would who would feed slaves that much like well i don't no i mean they were just well-fed slaves but they were fed like beef beer fine they just bread. needed somebody so that's true slaves wouldn't eat that yeah okay but they needed someone to do the hard job for them yeah. they knew that it's unsustainable to put people who are malnourished to do the job so they so needed they to feed them slaves. but still i'm sure that if you do a survey among the people who brought these stones to the pyramids and if you ask them guys are you enjoying your work i'm sure nine out of ten <laughs> would say well we are not happy with it we would like to 
I'll be fair, there's some speculation that the quarry workers might have been criminals and prisoners of war because that was hard labor and you didn't have to be, you know, particularly skilled to do that. But for the rest of the construction, they had to be skilled stonemasons who could work with the copper tools. They needed people to make the copper tools. They needed people who could make the ropes for the pulley systems, all of that. Like they were skilled workers. Like your average Ramses wouldn't know that. Yeah. You've got to go to like specialized people, skilled people. But I'm sure they had also plenty of. Well, maybe, maybe there were a few, but they think that most people working on them were happy to work in service yeah. of, the, of the king uh, as like a patriotic duty. And you also built up your kind of afterlife karma that way. Yeah. So oh. the more you contributed towards these projects for your pharaoh, because don't forget he was a god, the more he would help you get into the afterlife Oh, interesting. At the other side. And you would also get your kind of room and board included. So like Nikki mentioned about the kind of barracks houses. It Mm -hmm. it seems like there were full villages built where there were bakeries and butchers and um, tool repair uh, kind of stations that you could go to. And you would get fed, you'd get clothed. All of your rations were taken care of. And one reason that many people would put up with this or would do this was that if they were farmers in the nearby area, then the Nile flooded every June, uh, like flooded and, you know, they couldn't work on their fields anymore because it was literally underwater. So what are you going to do for the next three months while it's all flooded? Might as well work up some karma mojo and go work for the king for for a few months. Like, why not? So basically the pyramids were constructed by the motivated working class who wanted to contribute to the prosperity of Egypt. Yes, exactly. They wanted to contribute to their society and to their king, who, you know, they saw as a big... The religion was all a big part of it as well. It's part of, you know, their identity, who they were. And they wanted to build up some good karma for the afterlife. Well, I think the problem is we don't know for sure. Well, yeah, we don't know for sure. But that's the most recent up-to-date theory Mm -hmm. of top archaeologists and Mm -hmm. Egyptologists. So Mm. I'm going to take their word over (laughs) Lindsay on the internet saying, like, (laughs) it was slaves. Um, It was aliens. (laughs) I call it the alien theory. (laughs) (laughs) And also Herodotus contributed to, like, the bad press of the pyramids because he went, like, 2,000 years later, like we were saying, it was already ancient to him. Um, when he rocked up as his like travel blogger for those who don't know Herodotus was an- travel blogger. <laughs> he was uh, the first his- he was. <laughs> the first historian slash travel blogger Herodotus who um, basically these days would have like a YouTube account and a blog yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah he wrote he traveled and he wrote about his experiences in the Greek speaking world and the rest of the Mediterranean he was like an anthropologist of his time and he spoke to the locals and wrote down that they said that you know the pyramids were vanity projects by their kings and that the people the egyptian people were forced into making them and but this was all you know two thousand years later word of mouth i don't know guys is it is it just me but i see here a very strong communist uh, <laughs> like we have the working class so the official narrative is that the working yeah. class wanted willingly to help for the construction <laughs> of these awful buildings and then 
this guy who did a community engagement with them and a proper survey discovers that in fact people suffered and they were made to do that it was hardly eyewitness accounts yeah. like it was like my granddad's 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 generation literally and like herodotus is like notoriously known for being inaccurate about numbers and things in general yeah, yeah. like he literally said about the persian war i don't don't quote me please but it's like millions of greek fighters it's like bro there weren't even like that many people <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there weren't that many people alive at that time no, like, yeah. <laughs> like it was maybe like five thousand <laughs> maybe maybe like love you herodotus but yeah yeah you're not good Learned with the facts <laughs> yeah and then we come back to the aliens and yeah, there are, okay, yes, there are plenty of kind of conspiracy theories because there are pyramid-like structures around the world in Peru, in China, Cambodia, Myanmar, you know, it's it's a very common structure across the globe and some people say that they are lined up by the stars and that that should have been some kind of big cosmic plan and that they all interacted with either each other or with aliens who then interacted with all of them. But all of these different societies, really, like I was saying earlier, they had the stars to navigate by. Like, what else are you going to use as your directional compass? True. You don't if really the have stars and the that. sun are all you have... We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to hear more, let us know. We can go into more details about ancient Egypt as a whole. Specific pharaohs or Illuminati. Cleopatra. Nefertiti. Nefertiti. Oh my God, there is so much to uncover about this ancient civilization. And why just ancient? Why not about also contemporary Egypt? We can also go into the contemporary of times. Egypt is... It's just got it all. It does. Yeah. It really Political does. intrigue, gods, yes. mythology, um, contemporary art. Yeah. The uh, new museum. Let's not forget that. The yeah. new museum for the mummies. Military yeah. coups. Military coups. Yes. Yeah. Everything. So yeah, Egypt will probably come back to it at some we point. Definitely will. Yeah. Um, definitely reach out and let us know what you'd like us to cover next because I'm sure we could make like yeah. 20 episodes out we of it. Could. And remember to check out Stupid Beauty Standards in regards to Cleopatra. It's very interesting. In the meantime, you can also check us out on social media at Museums Mojitos on Twitter and Instagram and the podcast's full name on Facebook. And like and subscribe on the share. Yeah, all that jazz on your podcast platform. Tell us what you want. We want to hear from you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.